Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and today we are going to speak with somebody that I have wanted to talk to for a very long time. I'm really excited because this is the place where we boldly go into the world of autism, ask an unusual question, and try to get an answer. And today's unusual question is truly, truly unusual. Today's guest is Donna Williams. And Donna Williams is, well, she's an author of 10 books. She's a woman of multiple, multiple diagnoses. She's a super interesting lady. She's a little bit younger than me and much, much more accomplished. And it was interesting because when I decided to try and get her to come on the show, and then she said yes, I looked her up to see if I was up to speed on all the different things that she'd been up to, and I wasn't. Um, I first introduced to, to Donna's work with her first book called Nobody Nowhere. And uh, Nobody Nowhere went somewhere. It went to the top of the New York bestseller list and very quickly and held there for a while. And I was reading about that and all her other books and all the different things that she's managed to pull off for somebody with as many challenges, and she'll tell you about them, as she's had. And I found myself thinking, Wow, look at all those diagnoses. How did she get so lucky? All right, hold on to your hats. I'm, I'm serious. I was like, how did this woman get so lucky? New York Times bestseller list. All these things have gotten so famous and popular and done so well, and I'm plugging away and trying to get my stuff sold and heard. And I thought, well, maybe I needed more, more disabilities. And if that sounds outrageous, give me a second here. Because I don't think I'm unique in that particular mindset. I think it's kind of common for us to look at someone's problems, see their accomplishments, and say, well, you managed it. You got lucky. You did fine. And lose sight of all that they dealt with in order to get there. I think it's also a wonderful thing to go, wow, how did you get so lucky to someone who's used to spending their life always talking about the difficulties that they challenged? So let's try something brand new. Let's approach this show with a, hey, Donna, how'd you get so lucky? Now, before I talk to her, I just want to remind you, you've got to stay to the very end of the show where you will hear stories from the road. That's the place where I wrap it all together and try to make it all make sense if it didn't already. And just before that, we're going to have Paper Clouds Apparel. They're awesome. And that is okay, 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 the great guest giveaway at the Jam Pack Show. Let's get to it. Donna Williams, how did you get so lucky? Um, it depends, I guess, on what you think is luck. So if you look at, you know, uh, a friend said to me, people believe what they want to believe. 
And uh, I think that is true of well-known people. People pick out the parts that appeal to them and they forget the other stuff. So um, as a Taoist, everything that appears, if you like, lucky in my life has has been the payoff for what have been significant challenges. So I think the more you have really significant challenges, hopefully <laughs> uh, the more there is some other some other side of the the coin. So for example, I had um, I've had immune deficiencies all my life, but these uh, mixed with my personality made me someone very determined to be happy and make the most of whenever I wasn't sick. So I had a lot of pain with constant ear infections, throat infections, chest, lung infections. And instead of, uh, you know, getting miserable about it and poor me, I, I didn't work that way. Instead, I, I kind of did the Pollyanna thing. I definitely am quite a Pollyanna girl. And I said, well, today's less pain. Hey, today doesn't have pain. And I very much made this style, which I wrote a song with the same title of Today Starts Now. And sometimes if you're dealing with, you know, pain or, and I grew up with really severe abuse on every level because I grew up with um, a, a parent I see as a psychopathic who is also an alcoholic and um, it was very, very challenging, a person who doesn't like disability. <laughs> and, uh, and I was the second child who interrupted the relationship with the golden child. <laughs> so it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, I took, I take shit and I make sculptures. That's my style. And I, I, what I said was, okay, the, the world can be my family. And in, in a way, when the world becomes your family, you, you behave very differently. You, you're a citizen of the community. You don't walk around waiting for people to save your butt because there's no one going to save your butt. Your parents are a mess <laughs> and um, you've got to save your own butt. And for a long time I had no idea how, but and I thought life was incredibly unfair and it was all grit and spit. And I see, um, have you seen uh, Les Mis? Oh, I wish. Well, I've seen the play, but I haven't seen the new movie that's come out. And I tried. I just stood in line for ages and didn't get in. Did you see it? No, but I've seen the trailer and I want to see it. And in the trailer, there's um, uh, the Hugh Jackman ca uh, character and he's pulling on the ropes on this big ship that's being commanded. And, you know, I it's quite an epic image. And I, I kind of feel that being a person who was, you know, I got, I got functional speech in late childhood, by the time, you know, I was 11, I could make basic sentences and not just pure echolalia. I was very fabulously echolalia. Could do whole TV, <laughs> nothing useful, not in the non-autistic world. And, um, uh, but it makes you a good performer <laughs> being echolalia. Uh, so, and I was face blind. I was really severely meaning deaf. I couldn't see a face as a whole or a body as a whole. I couldn't see a room as a whole. Very context blind, if not object blind. And here I was dealing with homelessness and 
real bastard people, you know, like, okay, how can I use this idiot girl? And I thought life was like that big ship being pulled with, you know, those ropes on a heavy ocean. I think me and God, you know, not that I believe in God because I'm an atheist, <laughs> but uh, in my own world I have this little idea of if there's a God, me and God, I must have sworn at God a lot. <laughs> and God came back and says, okay, let's have a few jokes on you. And I say, hey, God, that was a good joke. <laughs> but I'm still standing. And um, and then sometimes God says, well, you know, hey, have some nerve damage. Have some dysautonomia. Have some yeah, Have a breast cancer. We'll give you that one too. And I say, hey, God, that's, you think you got me checkmate? You haven't got me checkmate. I'm not dead yet. I'm still playing. And I think that's my, you say, why I'm a lucky? Because I take life like that. I take life like, I don't know, like um, uh, Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. <laughs> no, I love this, Donna. I love it so much. I think you hit on it immediately. That is why you're lucky. It's so much about your attitude. The fact is, you know, I remember when I was raising my kids and I was, you know, all in a tizzy with one of the social workers and I was saying, you can't treat him like this. At this point, I don't even remember what I was upset about, but I remember saying to her, you can't treat him like this. And she said, well, kids are resilient and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I said, well, sometimes it kills you. And... Well I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I developed um, as a very fragmented, compartmentalized person, but even that shit turned into sculptures. Every piece of shit turns into sculptures in my world. So all the, even the damage I put to good use, it doesn't matter what you throw me. You know why? I have this immense sense that life is short. I really, really get it. No, I, 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 I hear you. I know what you're saying because I felt exactly the same way in that moment. I, when, you know, and I said, well, sometimes it kills you. And then I thought, if, however, you're someone who refuses to die. <laughs> That's it. You got it. That's the difference. Yes. That absolute difference. So, um, that thing of, uh, resilience and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It, it is true. You have to build character. And I have, I have I have character in abundance. Nobody nowhere is currently um, uh, in sort of uh, development to it's in the sort of funding stage uh, to be a Hollywood film. And I think there's a lot about me that 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 creates the kind of person you would put in a Hollywood film. <laughs> I, I I am like a cartoon. I, I have a lot of I don't know, texture. <laughs> yes, you've got a fair amount of that. So so why don't you, you did give um, our audience, for those people who don't, um, aren't as well read on you as I might be, um, can we give them a little more than, than just your diagnostic bits and pieces, a little bit of a story, just pick any old story from your life, um, your life's journey that stands out in, in the theme of the day, how you I, overcame I one of the one of the best examples of the wrangle um, uh, between home and community and condition and personhood 
It's probably the Ming story, and um, the Ming story goes like this. I was about nine. Um, my my behaviour at that time, uh, I was on medication for, you know, behavioural anxiety, crazy stuff. Um, I was um, just beginning to string sentences together, so my one among my first sentences was, um, I want chair here. <laughs> so I was in about grade five and I managed to think of each word and retrieve each one and glue them all together. And that, that was the start of, um, so at that point when my mother said, uh, okay, so we know now that you're not mad, that you actually can't understand language. So she gets in front of me and she holds up her cigarettes and a dollar and she's been told to talk uh, very clearly, very bullet point, through objects, lots of gesture. And she says, dollar, cool, Ming, go, and shoves the dollar in my hand and pushes me out the front door and shuts the door. So we live on a very big street, the main street. It's the biggest street in the southern hemisphere at that time. Lots of lanes, lots of cars. Um, and I had spent my time playing chicken with the traffic and enjoying being hit by cars and flying on the bonnets, but I never went through the windscreen, which I thought was hilarious. And um, But the traffic moved so slowly that you could do it. This is the picture of the street. So she sent me essentially down the road to Ming, who runs the Chinese cafe, and I'm to go and get her cigarettes. I don't really understand what she's asked me, but I know it has something to do with the money, the cigarettes, and Ming. Yeah, and I don't, I don't come back with the cigarettes. I'm probably not getting back in the house, therefore homeless. So I go into Ming's shop, and uh, I see the cigarettes on the shelf behind the counter. I see the cash register, and I understand that money goes in cash registers. People press buttons, it opens, it goes ping, money goes in, and then people take their things. So I go around the back of the counter and I help myself to the cigarettes, <laughs> at which time Ming is all arms flying and uh, doesn't speak English and is talking in Chinese to me. I don't speak functional, non-autistic speech, so I, I'm fighting him back and unable to explain myself. And he finally realises that I'm going for the cash register, pressing buttons madly to try to make it open, and he starts pointing to the numbers on the cigarette shelf, you know, the uh, the price, right. and then pointing to the key. And so I hit it, points to another number, points to the key, I hit it. And then he opens the cash register, I throw the money and run away with the cigarettes. So, um, he who had been trying to tame me for about a year. He would um, tame me like a cat, so he'd put this coke on the table and then turn away and very indirectly confrontational edge it towards me and see if I would take it and run away. So this was our first, the first time I'd actually shopped in his shop. And wow. She, I went home, she let me in, and now she decided I could do the shopping. So she sent me to the supermarket with a piece of paper. Yeah? Uh-huh. And she goes, Sergio's, go to Sergio's. So I've got this piece of paper, and I know the supermarket has icing in the second aisle because I take my brother down there and we open all the icing up and put it into our mouths before we get chased out because he's three and I'm about, you know, nine. And um, uh, he was like my playmate, and this is how we play. 
Anyway, I go down there, I open up the icing, and the woman from the counter comes up and says, Donna, your note. I don't know what she's talking about, and besides, nobody really addresses me as if I could actually answer them. So this was, I thought, okay, I ignore you. Donna, Donna, your note. Okay, I give her the piece of paper. I, I try to get back to my icing. Come on, bread, come on, bread. <laughs> I can't remember, I think... You obviously don't live in our house. <laughs> and then she goes, here. And she puts it in my hand. She goes, to the counter. Go on, to the counter. And I see, I'm really grumpy. I'm thinking, my God, how, what an indignity that this person <laughs> thinks they can actually control me and get me to do things. So then she says, come on, milk. Come on. And she makes me go through the whole list. Then at the end, I think, great, now I'm going for my icing. She goes, no, out you go, go home, go on, go up the street, go home. And she delivers the whole shopping as per the list to my mother who pays her. Donna can do the shopping. Oh, my gosh, that's an amazing story. I thought life was about and how the community insisted I'm going to be, I'm going to be functional whether I like it or not. A crazy woman who had no relationship with me except, I guess, to be my master, um, uh, was very – she was so kick-ass, and I really think that was the positive of living with her, um, that she was iron pants, and there was no such thing as you can't. All right, and we are speaking with Donna Williams, author of many, many books, holder of many, many diagnoses, <laughs> overcomer of many, many challenges – and a wonderful guest. Hang in there with me at the very end of the show. We have stories from the road. And just before that, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. And this is a new spin on autism answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and let's get back to Donna. One of the things that you wrote about in Nobody Nowhere that, that really helped me uh, was when you did say that you thought, you know, you weren't advising abuse by any means, but that some of that toughness was what really had helped you accomplish some of the things you did manage to accomplish. Um, because I came from a similar background, and so it was it was kind of an eye-opener and a new way to look at it. And I, I really want to thank you for having the courage to say something like that, because a lot of people wouldn't. Uh, it was taboo to say something like that in the, in that era. Uh, we were talking here about 1990, 1991, and uh, the whole um, you know refrigerator mother thing, and you weren't allowed to talk like that. And um, but the thing is, if you think about autis, when you have a huge level of developmental issues. What you do is you dissociate, you cut off, and you go into la-la land and entertain yourself, and you learn how to avoid and divert and retaliate, and you uh, learn uh, to play the boundaries, in a sense, to not care about the boundaries. So what would you do if that was your cat? Well, you would put some real clear boundaries in there, and you would make sure that the cat really gets the rules, <laughs> the rules of life, the rules of the house. And but, but, Donna, you would also, with your cat, you would also remember to be very, very affectionate. And I think what happens often is it becomes an either-or situation. 
and it's you know the they either get real tough with the kids or real affectionate and let them get away with everything and what you really need is a blend of both i agree with you and i think uh, i think some of it comes down to um there are some autis who are not attachment disordered and and they the parent can connect with them much better and then there are other autis who are attachment disordered and it, and people it's not because you didn't love them necessarily imagine if you are face blind and everyone's interchangeable and when your face comes at you, you know your face as a parent comes at the child they get the eyebrow lost the eye got the nostril lost the nose got the hair lost the head got the fingers lost the hand yeah i know that one you speak it means nothing it's just you entertaining yourself because language doesn't have meaning uh if when you speak they roll their eyes because they can't understand you and you're they they think it's meaningless um if your sensory responses are incomprehensible you are giving the parent a whole lot of feelings of incompetence you're also you don't have the equipment to attach as easily you can but through things like music and dancing and rough and tumble and sharing textures and smells and buzzing and if you're a tr- you know if you're a chalk and talk type parent if you're a talk and look person and you do that with a meaning deaf meaning blind kid it's going to be really hard for you two to connect it's different languages right and so, it's really important to be observant enough with your child to try to figure out which language it is that they're speaking and be willing to learn it if it's not yours yes i agree so do you have a special something that you're trying to speak out into the world right now that's one question because we're close to the end so there's two things i want to address one is that give you a, a place to say whatever it is you want to say or, or you know I guess at this point in my life um uh because I'm dealing with such a a level of multiple health issues is when you pander to autistic people and give them the easy way because they don't like change or they don't like this or they that's all too much etc cetera, etc cetera. imagine how they're going to handle it if they are dealing with significant health issues and they have to go into machinery and they have to have blood taken and they have to have needles and they have parts them cut off and they have to have stitches and they have to go through recovery you can do them the favor um of of daring to be unpopular by you know by helping them to face things that they are going to find hard because life is going to make it harder That's really beautiful. I used to say to the teachers, you know, you're just trying to look nice. You're not being nice by letting him do that. Yeah, <laughs> And, I agree. Yes, I agree. they're very yep. different. They're you very have, different. You have to dare on popularity and that and and I dare on popularity with my cat. I give my cat really strong boundaries, but as you said, I also then go and spend really quality time reminding my cat that she is safe, uh that I do like her, um that I can see her <laughs> even though we speak different languages. Wow. That's why I you know why I said what I said about health. There was a woman recently with autism. She was one of the earliest diagnosed people. I think she was um in her 50s or 60, about 60, and she got cancer, but because she was um, you know, 
brought up in cotton wool. She said, no, 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 I can't cope with chemo. I can't, I can't, I can't. And she died. And um, I think how many more are going to be this? When I went through, I went through chemo last year and uh, had a double mastectomy and also, you know, since then the dysautonomia and peripheral neuropathy and just constant pain in the feet and really stiff hands and joints behaving like 90. And, and I think had I not been brought up to understand this is life, that is life, that's life. Mm-hmm. It'll bits, but, hey, this is life. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, well, when they, you know, when they were sticking a needle into my nipple, this is life, all right? When they, when they rip going into my body and pulling out a piece of my cancer with the biopsy and I'm awake, right, look, hey, this is life, all right? <laughs> and, and I could say, yeah, okay, okay, but I'm going to need some ice cream after this. Oh, okay, but I really, I've got to get, I've got to go home and I've got to have a nice uh, bubble bath and I've got to have, I can look at the cat now. <laughs> I just, you know, bargain with myself, but I do accept that I can't control everything. I really accept that not every bad thing lasts forever and that copping out of it is not going to do me favours and, and I just look at so many autists who could never have handled what I'm dealing with, and they're about to get old. Me and Temple are the oldest known diagnosed people on the spectrum. I was diagnosed at two in 1965, but the diagnosis was childhood psychosis because in that era uh, they didn't diagnose autism. Autism was adjective for psychotic children. And so we lost all those generations because we stuck all those kids in children's homes. And then when we let them out in the 80s, uh, we called them psychotic. So we never got their information. They were everywhere. But we lost all those people from the 50s and 60s, unless you were like Temple where the parent fought for you and, uh, you know, you were an essential part of the family. Or in my case, my father signed me over to my grandparents and thwarted my mother's intention to bin me. And we're odd that we that we grew up finally, under, you know, knowing what our history was, yeah. and being able to talk about it. And I think that we are now in the next ten years, there will be all the ones who were diagnosed in the eight, in the sort of you know ninety nineties in the the zeros, the noughties, and they'll be heading for a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, but you know what, Donna, the truth is there's a lot of neurotypical people that couldn't handle the things that you're talking about having handled. You're just plain strong. Even even amongst all of the, the horrible things you've had to deal with, you're a strong, beautiful, intentioned woman, and that's why. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Diagnosis aside, because okay. truly all kinds of people would have caved. Probably. <laughs> all right. So I win on that one, and I'm going <laughs> to... This did me a lot of favors in all this because it makes me very, very logical and very practical. So, so Okay. So, you know, the last thing that I wanted to address is sort of to bring us back where we started with the idea that, in fact, you're very lucky. And I guess um, I loved your answer because I do think that we make our own luck. But I just wondered, do you realize... 
How exciting and just mind-blowing it must be for the parents of, say, an eight-year-old who's still just echolalic and not giving real language to hear you speak like this and know that their child might still have a real, true future. Well, as you know, there are some people who um, who who have breakthroughs on communication level or on a health level or on a learning level, cognition level, and there's people for whom those breakthroughs are going to be fewer. So I think that, yes, uh, if you understand the fruit salad of each individual person, then you don't address it as one condition called autism. You, you address the parts that make up the whole fruit salad that presents as that person's autism. And once you do that, it, it is, um, you can often help people progress a lot more uh, than they would have. So for me, once the meaning deafness was understood, they could help me make the leap from echolalic to having functional speech. Once the perceptual, visual perceptual issues were understood, I could get tints that helped me to glue my vision together so I can actually understand what I'm seeing um, and drive. Uh, once I could understand categories and typologies, I could begin to learn and build up a kind of mental database of uh, information to link with speech. It's finding what's the fruit salad, like the health stuff, there's so much uh, that if it hadn't been addressed along the way, uh, I wouldn't be where I am. Mental health. If people hadn't put the brakes on when I was spiralling out of control with anxiety and mood issues, I would probably be in the loony bin. And so it's about addressing the fruit salad. And I wrote, um, I got 10 books, and one of the books is called The Jumble Jigsaw. Yeah. And it's... Uh, subtitle is it's an insider's guide to autism spectrum fruit salads and I hope every person looks at the looks beyond the label to the not just the personhood but uh, to the fruit salad that's underneath the label I hope so too and I hope that they take a minute to go to Donna Williams about Donna and see you sing that really cute song and get a sense of how silly and fun and wonderful you really are DonnaWilliams.net Ah, yes, I'm sorry, I'm reading across the top and it says about Don. so yes DonnaWilliams.net, check it out um, Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to talk to me in California all the way from Australia Much appreciated Thank you, Lynette You're welcome Okay, 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 okay It is time for the great guest giveaway and today we have a great guest who's here to give away Aren't you happy? Because the last two shows, I bumped my great guest giveaway. And now we have this most fantastic opportunity to hear about these great... Actually, before I get into it, I want to tell you something. See? I like everything natural. So before I get into it, I want to tell you something. This is a gentleman who's been super, super supportive. Uh, so there's a company to talk to, but it's Robert Thornton, who's the founder of Paper Clouds Apparel, has been so supportive to me. He's been supportive um, on my Indiegogo campaign, which you all have heard about. And if you haven't, you haven't been listening to the show long enough, go back and listen to some archive stuff because the show's great. Um, and he's been supportive even on my Facebook page. Robert, I see your name pop up and you make actual comments and I really appreciate it. 
Um, in addition, he's a, he, he has a wonderful company, and it's got a unique spin, which I really, really like here on a new spin on autism. So it's Paper Clouds Apparel, and they raise funds for special needs schools and organizations. And they do that while they're showcasing, create, showcasing creative minds and artistic abilities of those with special needs. And they line up with different companies or organizations, not companies, that uh, support different special needs. So it's really kind of awesome. And if you get around to looking at his products, you'll be really impressed. But mostly, I'm impressed with how you've structured your company. So this is Robert Thornton, founder of Paper Clouds Apparel. Hello, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very, very sad. Oh, good. I'm glad. It sounded like you said you're very, very sad. Oh, no, no, no. Excited, excited. Oh, God. I was worried, you know, because I was stumbling <laughs> over some of my words. I thought maybe you're crying back there going, oh, she's saying it oh, all no. wrong. No, 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 no. I'll work on enunciating from here on out. I apologize. <laughs> okay, so, Robert, really and truly, I do, I do thank you for being so supportive. I wasn't just talking out of my hat here. It's, it's really um, much appreciated. And I want you to tell everybody about your company. All right. Well, we're, as you mentioned, called Paper Clouds Apparel. And what we do is we raise funding for, you know, as you said, special needs schools and organizations while showing off, you know, artwork that is being created by individuals with special needs. So we will take a piece of artwork that an individual with special needs has created, and then we will, we will transfer that artwork either over to our, we have uh, eco and sensory friendly bamboo shirts, and then we also sell the art on. We make high quality prints and also greeting cards that we sell. And then 50% of the profit from those sales goes right back to that special needs school or organization that we're teaming up with. And so our, our new website actually launches on Monday. So January 7th, Monday, our new website at www.papercloudsapparel.com. We, we go live on Monday morning and we're teaming up. And each school and each organization gets a, a two-week block in which we sell their products and then you know, the next, and then two weeks later, it's a new school, new organization. And now, our isn't first, isn't that expensive though? That doesn't that mean that you have to create uh, new T-shirts every time and new cards every time? And it, 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 I mean, it, it is. But luckily, with the way that we we have structured our, our our business plan, is that we don't actually place the order until the two week period has ended. So we don't we don't have any wasted inventory. We don't have any wasted money. We don't actually spend money mm-hmm. until we've actually until that shirt's. We don't order that shirt, have that shirt printed, and ship that shirt until that shirt's already been purchased. So, so that way there is no waste, and that way, by doing it that way, we can give away 50% of our profit and not have to worry about you know, our overhead or our cost because you know, we're, we don't have any wasted costs, basically. Well, that reminds me of books on demand, only it's T-shirts on demand. Yeah, basically. And concept and, is brilliant. Yeah, well, and the, the great thing about it is, and the fun thing about it for us and, and for the organization is that it, encour- it encourages the consumer to make that impulse buy, where if they see a shirt and they really like it, where normally if they go onto a website and see a shirt, they could like it and then think, oh, well, I will, I'll order this shirt next month when, you know, when I don't have yeah. as many bills, blah, 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 and then they can forget about that a lot of the time. But with the way we're doing things, on, and on our new website, there will be a countdown ticker showing them that you know, they might only have four more hours left to get that shirt. You know, and if they don't purchase it right then and there, it's gone forever. And you have a built-in audience, so to speak, to your product because with each organization that you 
um, give a two-week period to, they have then their mailing list and their people that they're used to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Really I mean, we, it was, you know, through, through hard work, you know, we kind of lucked into this business plan where we, you know, where we operate that way, where we don't, we don't, you know, create the goods until it's already been purchased. And then every two weeks, we're basically getting a brand new customer base. Meanwhile, still retaining, you know, our old customers, you know, because luckily with, with, as you know, you know, the special needs community, you know, they're, they're so supportive of each other. So, you know, if, if, if we're raising money for, you know, say a small little, like we have a, we have this great, we're teaming up with this baker here in Phoenix, Arizona. His name is Matthew Cottle and he, he's 23 years old and he has autism, but he wants to open his own bakery and not only open his own bakery, but then employ other individuals with autism as well, because he knows how hard it is, you know, I mean, to, to learn something when you have, you know, when you have autism, it can be very, very difficult to, to learn things, and he knows how hard it is for him, so he feels that he can then train, you know, other, other autistic individuals, you know, better than, than, than somebody else would. And so we're teaming up with him on a project. Okay, so let's say that I wanted to raise some more money for the next leg of my project. Would yes. I be able to team up with you, and then I give you some designs? And How, how does it work? And for well, the people all, yeah, that are all, out there all trying to work, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. We're always looking for, for, I mean, right now we're currently, we have 16 special needs schools and organizations that we're teamed up with. So when we launch on January 7th, we're actually booked till August 5th, actually. But, you know, we're, we're always looking for, to, to fill up the rest of, you know, slots for who, who knows how many years in advance, you know. And so basically all we ask for is that the organizations can, can contact us by email, paperclouds at gmail.com, talk to me about their organization, and then we can see if, you know, if we both think that it's a good fit, and then they just need to collect artwork that was created by an individual with special needs that, that's associated with their organization. They then ship that to us. We, we view that artwork, and then actually send that artwork out to our, our board of advisors. They vote on the artwork, and then one piece is selected to be chosen to go on the women's shirts, and we have three different styles for the women that that one piece artwork go, goes on, and then one piece of artwork will go on the men's shirts. So then, you know, because obviously uh, a piece of artwork is going to work differently on a men's shirt than on a women's shirt. So we want to make sure that we give something that, that each sex can have that they would want to wear. And then basically we just, we just put those up on our site. And then a lot of the remaining art that we don't use for those shirts will then be uh, put on the, the high-quality prints and then the greeting cards as well. And then we just put those up on our website for that two-week block you know, sell them, hopefully sell as many as possible. And then, you know, at the end of that conclusion of that two weeks, cut that organization a check for, for 50% of the profit. So <clears throat> this is such an interesting business model. What made you go towards working with special needs? I mean, what's your story here? How did this happen? My, my mother, she was a bus driver for, for special needs children up in Northern California. And I was living in Phoenix and I, I played played baseball for a living. That's that's what I did. I played minor league baseball, and then got hurt. And so I was I was kind of just trying to figure out what next. You know what what am I going to do for the rest of my life, basically? And I was back home visiting her, and I happened to see a a drawing that she had hanging on the fridge. And so I I, I grabbed it and I asked her. I was like, Mom, you know what, what what is this? You know, and she told me that a little girl on her route, as soon as she strapped her into her seat, you know, she would just draw the whole entire time on her ride to school. And a lot of the times when she, when she got to school, she would then give those drawings to my mother. And that's what it was that I saw. 
And I just remember being just mesmerized by it. I spent the whole entire night, you know, when, when we were watching TV, I basically had it sitting there and just kept on staring at it because these characters that she had drawn were just so fantastic. You know, I mean, they were, they were different and weird, but in such a cool way. And I just remember staring at them the whole entire night. And then I'd always been a t-shirt junkie and I, I woke up the next morning, you know, with just this idea in my head, you know, that I think this would look really cool on a t-shirt. And so I, I talked about it with my mom you know, basically came up with the idea that, you know, that this was a great thing for, because I'd always wanted to do something like to give back. And this is such a great way for, to me to, for me to give back to people that society, unfortunately, has, you know, uh, made them believe that they're not contributing members, you know, that they're not really, you know, as quote unquote complete people as, as a normal, you know, able-minded, able-bodied person is. And I think that's just such an absurd thing. And so I just wanted to show to the world and, and showcase, you know, how, how talented, you know, individuals with, with autism, with Down syndrome, and show them that, you know what, that you, you can be, you know, that, that people will want to buy your artwork, you know, that you're, you're, you're extremely worthy, you know, and just try and, try and help raise their, their self-esteem and courage, you know, a, as much as I possibly can while, while helping raising some funding for, you know, a bunch of special needs schools and organizations that could definitely use the help. Okay, so your passion shows through that's really neat that's a really neat uh, story. I could not be happier started. doing what I do yeah yeah and I I mean it's it was one of those things where when, when I couldn't play baseball I definitely you know was was at a loss because that's that's all I knew myself as was was a baseball player and I feel that you know that that me getting hurt happened for a reason you know and I believe that my reason you know my purpose for living was paper cause apparel I truly believe that you know that I was put on this earth to to really help, you know, raise awareness and raise money for, uh, for some people that, that, you know, they're so incredible and so special that we need to, you know, recognize them being that, so that way. So how did the name happen, Paper Closet uh, Carol? That, That's an interesting name. So tell uh, me the it story was, on uh, that. Luckily, I, I have a, a very good friend who now actually is the vice president of Paper Closet Apparel who I brought on here. And when I, when I first came up with the idea, it was five, you know, five years ago I came up with the idea. And initially, you know, I was, I was going to bring him on as a partner, but then something happened and he had to use his money that he was going to invest in basically to, to live off of. But, you know, when, when we were still in the partner stage, he, he's a, he's a, his name is Joe Armstrong and he is just extremely creative. And I, you know, when I talked about the idea, I was like, man, you, you have to help me think up a name. And we were meeting after that, after he, he had a list of, of ideas. And as soon as he said, paper clouds apparel, you know, I was like, stop, that's it. You know, I, I don't know why, but I love that. And so I asked him, I said, how, do you, how did you even come up with that, you know? And he explained to me that since we were using, you know, art, artwork, you know, that especially these individuals we created, he thought back to, you know, when he was a kid and in art classes, and one of the first things that we all made in art class where you took those cotton balls, you know, and you glued them to a piece of construction paper and you made clouds. You know, I think we've all done that. You know, it's yep, one of the first art yep. projects we all did. And so he, he said somehow he just thought about that. And then he also thought about how when he was a kid, one of his favorite things in the world to do was just to, to lay in the grass and look up at the sky and watch all the clouds changing shapes and turning into, you know, into different, you know, designs and seeing different things in them and just seeing what the clouds could create. So he pulled both of those two ideas together and somehow just came up with, with paper clouds apparel and I, I I, I, I love him for it because I, I could not be happier. I just love, you know, that, no, that he was I love able that to, to that's something really up like awesome. that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. really so. awesome. 
So what are some uh, quick examples of, and of course you are going to give a giveaway because this is the Great Guest Giveaway. But before Most we get definitely. to that, uh, <laughs> what, um, what are some examples of organizations that you've teamed up with and that you're going to our, be teaming up with? In the our initial, when, we, when we launch on, uh, on January 7th, our initial two-week block is with the Center for Autism and, and, uh, Center for Autism and Related Disorders. And they're a, they're a great organization, and they have actually, I think, 16 different satellite centers across the United States. They have one in Australia, one in New Zealand, and they just do, do amazing work. A lot of, I'm pretty sure like, uh, it's ABA, I believe is what they call it, and I think, that's, mm-hmm. I think you do stuff similar like that, don't you? Like oh, just careful, behavior. careful, careful, careful. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't do ABA. I do play. Although a lot of, a lot of the people that I work with, they, their children do work with ABA. I personally don't. But. Well, it's, 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 I, think, I think, and one of the things I think we're learning is that definitely that different things work for different people. You know, I, 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 at least I, I, that's what I'm led to believe, you know, I mean, but again, I'm not an expert, but we're teaming up with them. We also are teaming up with uh, the Art of Autism, which is an amazing gallery that features nothing but our work created by individuals with autism, and then they sell that to help these, you know, these artists you know, basically be able to forge a living for themselves, you know, on your well, art really alone. That's really interesting. And where is that based out of? That is in, a, it is in Carpinteria, California. Oh. The lady, the lady who, who was a curator of the Museum Harry's name is uh, Deborah Husini, and she is fantastic. Just a really, really great woman who is just doing some amazing things to, again, try and showcase, you know, the amazing artistic talent, talents that individuals with autism have. That's very then, uh, cool. So, so you're yeah, mostly yeah. working with autism in the... Autism is a big one. We have a couple... That, uh, we're also teaming up with... The, uh, it's called the International Down Syndrome Coalition. We're teaming up with them from January 21st through February 4th. And they're just... Uh, their Facebook page is, is amazing. You know, they, they, she is all... Uh, Diane, the, the head of that, is always posting these just these great pictures with individuals with, with, with Down syndrome and different sayings and different, you know, causes. And so I definitely want to help her raise money to, to spread awareness again that, you know, that people with, you know, just because somebody has Down syndrome doesn't mean that they don't have dreams and aspirations and goals like, like everyone oh my else goodness, does. It usually means they're fantastic and fun and adorable. Um, okay, what about cerebral palsy? Do you have any organizations with cerebral palsy? Because they can be great artists when, if they have the ability to control, um, you know, their hands or their feet. Depending. I'm, we work with a, a couple different, like, uh, therapy centers and, and resource centers I know that have, have some individuals with cerebral palsy that they, that they help and they, that they work with and that they, you know, help treat. So we definitely have some, some uh, cerebral palsy individuals as well that will be creating art for us as well. Very cool. I just love your organization. It's too awesome. All right, so what is your great guest giveaway? All right, great guest giveaway. If, if, if people look at, you know, both of our, either like our Facebook page, we have a bunch of our crew neck shirts. And so I'm, I'm willing to give away, you know, those crew neck shirts. I don't, I don't know how you exactly, you know, are working your giveaways. But well, I'm let's thinking, limit you know, it. Don't give away too many. How many do you want to give? No more than five. Okay, well then five. Perfect. There we go, five. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll have, um, do you want them to go to Facebook? Actually, I'll have them uh, come to me and ask, and then I'll redirect. That keeps okay. it simpler. So, guys, yeah. Mom Forevermore, it's the number four, Mom, number four, Evermore, at Juno, J-U-N-O dot com, and in the subject line you put Paper Clouds Apparel. 
Now, say your, your website one more time for them and how they would find you on Facebook. Yes, our, our new website, which we're launching on January 7th, is www.papercloudsapparel.com. And then our Facebook page, if they just simply put in Paper Clouds Apparel, they should be able to find us there. And I think that once, especially once, once the, the winners of the raffle get the shirts, they're going to be blown away because I don't know if anybody has ever owned, because we use bamboo for our shirts. And bamboo, the shirts are extremely soft. You, you won't ever want to take it off. And that's Wait a minute, one of the, bamboo? Yeah, bamboo, yes. And that's, that's one of our great features that, that is so great dealing with you know, individuals with autism because a lot of them have sensory issues. And we've had people that, that have ordered their shirts and then put them on and then they're like, oh my goodness, like these are so great, you know, for, for their sensory issues because the shirts are so soft that they won't want to be, you know, itching their skin all the time just because they feel so good on the skin. That's so amazing. Bamboo, I mean, to me that's like hard and brittle. So now it's yeah, really... You, yeah, it, when people get them, you know, the, it's described as being actually being a cross between silk and cashmere actually with, with how soft it feels on the skin. Okay, now I'm going to have to pretend I'm someone else and get one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, guys, make sure, make sure that you send me an email, and I will connect you with a shirt, up to five people, first five people. Thank you so much, Robert. It's been awesome. Thank That's you so much. I was, it was great being on your show. Oh, and it was great having you here. I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. Um, everybody, paperclothesapparel.com, right? Yes, Robert ma'am, Thornton. that is it. All right, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You too. All right. That was Paper Clouds Apparel. Make sure you take advantage of the giveaway because, uh, you know, it sounds awesome. And besides, when you think about it, it fits into the theme. Somebody gets lucky with this company every couple of weeks. A different disability group gets lucky because that's how they are lucky. This is the Lucky Show. All right. It is time for Story. From the road. Uh, this story. This story is about uh, moi, myself, me, nobody else. It's about me because as I was coming into the do this show and talking to Donna and putting this tape together, I was thinking maybe it's time that I changed the story. So to give you some background, um, one of the things that as a mom I was always super, super proud of is overcoming. You know, I overcame everything. I overcame poverty. I overcame autism in the house. We overcame, uh, you know, we overcame moments when there was no food. We overcame, you know, there's no grad dress here. Let me give you my dress and we'll put this shawl on it and you'll be embarrassed for life, but man will overcome. And I just overcame and overcame and overcame and it was exciting and we laughed a lot. As a family, we became tight. All eight kids and me, no matter what. I, get, I overcame many husbands. I overcame. I overcame. I was tenacious. I had tenacity. I had so much willpower. And we overcame. So I had four autistic boys. I'm, I'm working with them. I'm teaching them. I'm helping them. Two of, the, two of my four daughters were from troubled homes and over coming their problems, and then my daughters look at all of their siblings and go, this is traumatic, we better overcome us too. And we just worked and we worked and we worked. And we were amazing. And everybody 
Of the eight kids, seven of them are on their feet, in good lives, in good marriages, um, got good jobs, doing well. One didn't overcome. And so when I look at my kids and I look at my life, there are two things that come to mind in listening to Donna. One is we liked overcoming a little too much. We thought that that was the thing to be proud of, and, I, and, and certainly it is. But we thought it so much that we made problems. Not, on, not intentionally, but, you know, you go down to your last cent because then you can prove you can do it again. And so we were kind of addicted to the story, and I remember saying to my daughters after we'd driven all the way to Toronto from Houston, Texas, and done it on, like, (laughs) zero cash, and the car broke down, and I had to run and get it fixed, and I got some truckers to help, and, you know, it was one adventure after another, and and money magically appearing, and people coming out of the woodwork to, to, you know, push the car, and, like, it was just one story after another. And we just laughed so hard and thought it was so marvelous that we did things just, you know, despite the fact that we shouldn't be able to. And, and I noticed that we actually <laughs> did it that way on purpose. Finally, I noticed. And I turned to them and I said, you know, kids, I think it's time that we stop loving the story so much. So the point being that I, I, I decided that we should, you know, start enjoying things being comfortable, enjoying things being a little less filled with drama and story. And part of that is why the kids got better, because we got comfortable with comfort and dropped victimhood and dropped martyrdom and dropped and dropped and kept stubbing our toe on another aspect of it and dropped it again. And I would say that I'd found the answer, except it's only seven out of eight, not eight out of eight. So when I look at my boys, the ones with the ASD diagnosis. And I say, why is it that three of these guys did so well and one did not? I end up landing in the same place that I landed while I was talking with Donna. If you don't have motivation, you don't get anywhere. So maybe we love the drama and maybe we love the story, but at least we liked problem-solving. We liked overcoming. That was just the manner in which we knew how to do it. We knew how to overcome, you know, the problem of no next meal more easily than we knew how to overcome the stock market crashing. We just weren't educated in that arena. But my one boy doesn't care about problem-solving. He doesn't care about learning. He doesn't care about overcoming. And he hasn't changed very much. So when you're wondering what is it that we need to do for the kids, I would have to say you have to light a fire under them and make them want it. Make them love learning. Make them love overcoming. The only thing that got my, my son, the one that is still struggling, to even attempt language, to even really attempt chores, really learn to, you know, taking out the garbage and, 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 taking, and leaving it on the street and not taking all the neighbor's garbage at the same time to discern one from the other. The only thing that really helped him 
was when we stopped asking stuff of him and started inviting him to do the things that he wanted and encouraging him to play the songs that he wanted and listen to the same song over and over again. So tenacity, motivation, those are the things that we usually try to kill in a child in order to get cooperation. We kill the spirit. And I'm here to say, no spirit, no success. And my son is pretty much living proof of it. He's 31, and he's just getting rolling now. So please, please, please remember, in the dropping of the, of the martyrdom and the victimhood and the drama and the, all of that, don't lose the part of you that fell in love with problem solving. Just change the problems. And light a fire under your children so that they love problem solving too. And that's how, when you have a diagnosis, you get so lucky. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. This is a new spin on autism answers. And thank you for joining me because without you, I would just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, a real-life guide to autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to our Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Can't hear you.